All this right. Is so here we are. Hi. <laughs> my... So um yes. This is Anne Marie Harmony, is that right? And uh, yes, Harmony. You are talking to listeners in Honolulu um, on uh -huh. KTUH, which is a college uh, campus uh, radio station. And uh, my show tends mm -hmm. to focus on um, diversity, really, uh, particularly from a yeah. woman's lens or gendered lens, mm -hmm. uh, addressing issues of, about racism, gender, particularly with a multicultural context. So here I am in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. and unfortunately, I can't see you because of all these COVID restrictions. But um, I came across, yeah. you know, your very interesting story, and I'd love to ask you about. Um, yeah. Kind of just let's start with you, who you are and how you got to Hong Kong and how you got to where you are today. Uh-huh. So sorry. <laughs> okay. Um sorry. I love it. So you're doing a model shoot right now. You're you're getting ready for a photo shoot? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I love it. What kind of yeah, shoot is this so for? So it's a wig uh, company. From, uh, so it's from a wig company. That's why. Okay. So just for our audience who don't know anything about why we're having these disruptions, um, Anne Marie is in getting her hair done as we talk virtually, and you have a model agency. You're you're a part-time model, yes. and you you you're the founder of yeah. this modeling company called um, Harmony Hong Which can yes. you just tell us what in a nutshell what it represents? So Harmony HK it's a platform that's for like ethnic minority and refugee talent in the way to raise awareness about the ethnic minority and refugee situation in Hong Kong. So I wanted to kind of create it to celebrate diversity, mostly in the society like Hong Kong, where there is no representation of people of color. Okay. You know, so that's basically, if I have to make it short. So that's yeah. what it is like, mostly celebrate diversity. And because like, we live in a society, Hong Kong international city, but we talk about diversity, diversity, but it's really not inclusive. There's no inclusiveness in that. Yeah, diversity is not a common word in Hong Kong or Asia. Uh, but ironically, you know, in the States, we all claim to be diverse, and yet you see this whole anti-Blackness movement, and the idea of diversity is obviously seeing all, all its holes, you know, um, in the cracks of this kind of term. So from Hong Kong, like how long have you been here for? Mm. You've been here for almost 10 years now. Wow. Almost 10 years. Okay. Yes. So you're a permanent yeah. Hong Kong resident. No. Well, let's talk about your no, refugee I cannot. status. Tell me. Yeah. Yes. So I moved to Hong Kong as a refugee, as an asylum seeker. I don't know if you know the difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee. So an asylum seeker, you move to the city. Um, you seek for asylum and then you go through different level of interview and if you get accepted then you get granted a refugee status so with refugee status like you might be allowed to work there's a, a little bit of freedom compared to being an asylum seeker so that's how i came to hong kong and i cannot i don't have a permanent resident i don't think i will ever be able to and because hong kong never signed a convention you know so that's one of the reasons i've been here for almost 10 years but i'm still not considered as a hong kong resident I'm trying to make myself be part of the Hong Kong resident, but the society does not. I know 
But okay, so asylum seeker in Hong Kong um, is not the same as refugee status, you're saying. Mm. And uh, but are you able to mm -hmm. like what yes. are some restrictions? What are things you cannot do here as an asylum speaker seeker as opposed to you know a, a resident here? What are some restrictions? So it's like you can't do anything at all. You know, even to go to the library to borrow books in the library, you cannot. You need to have either passport or your ID. But we are given a A4 size paper, which we can't use that, and people don't accept it. To use the public spaces like gym, you cannot. You need to have an ID or a passport, and we don't have none of those things. So there's a lot of restriction. You know, you are literally not able to do anything as an asylum seeker. Even as a refugee, you can work. That's it. You know, but you can go to Otherwise, school. I can go to school. I can go to school. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about what you're you're studying, what you're doing there, and where you are. I'm a psychology student. Yeah, that's great. Why did you choose psychology? Um, I actually wanted to do law, but um, I think the fact that. The reason why I chose psychology, it wasn't really one of my interests. We're just saying, you know what, let me give it a shot before doing law. But I think the fact that I get to learn about mostly what was going on, you know, like the thing is like, I used to see my parents staying at home like 24 seven and that's not really good for your mental health, you know? And yeah. I think I ended up falling in love with psychology. The fact that I took my first year and it kind of brought me back to Maybe my personality goes back to how I was raised. You know, your childhood kind of play an important role on who you, you're going Absolutely. to be in the future. And then the fact that I also wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to run my own thing. I wanted to work with people, running and working for people. Mm -hmm. And psychology kind of helps me understand learning the human behavior. You know, like one thing that I've learned, the most important thing in psychology, like the state of your mental health. And that's something I feel like as a Congolese, like, you'll be surprised with some of the words that you were told as a little girl can affect you as you grow, you know? So I felt like psychology kind of helped me understand myself, my family, and also when I want to work with people, it's a way of me to kind of understand how to take the mental health of people really important. And that's something we always tend to forget. And that's something that I've learned a lot in psychology that taking care of your mental health, it kind of brings you and helps you to become on how you interact with the society. Absolutely. I think mental health yeah. is something that a lot of people lack to consider in many, many yeah. situations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Know. It's something that we kind of turn a blind side and you think, oh, you know, if I'm physically healthy, that means I'm good. No, if your mental health is not at the right state, whatever you do is useless. Sometimes you see, oh, this person looks fine, beautiful, and all that. Why did, why did that person commit suicide, you know? And then when you look about behind it, there's, a, there's a, this mental health issue that we tend to forget behind it, the see, way you get treated. Yeah. Mm. Do you see a lot of mental health issues um, with the refugees and asylum seekers around your community? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I, so I'm a co-founder of Learning Together, which is an NGO that works with refugees in Hong Kong. What's it called? Learning Together. Okay just learning together so we teach english to new asylum seeker here in hong kong and you know uh so i remember one day we were having a class and then so i just want to have a conversation instead of being just like a teacher like learning people a b c d or you know all that so i wanted to have a conversation and one thing you get to realize in the 
refugee community, a lot of them have high blood pressure. Yes, other people can have, it can happen to everybody. But if you think, I look at these people, most of them is like related to their circumstances. You know, like most of them can't go to work. They have to stay at home. Their life is different, you know, and you think about it for your own health is really just not right. Yeah. And a lot of them, um, like the mental health is really, it's been really affected, you know, and a lot of these refugees go through a lot. Because imagine like I had a conversation with certain people they were like, they were like, oh, you know, COVID-19, we are staying at home. This is horrible. And I'm like, try to understand for a refugee that has been here for 10 years, decades. They don't, they can't do that. They can't go to work. And then they stay at home. The only way they can go, they go to church or they can go to the park, but you're not allowed to work. What do you think they are going through? Yeah. What do they you do know? every day? It was yeah. A, exactly. And then it's a conversation. You stay at home. You sort of kind of overthinking about what's your life. Is it worth it? And all those kind of things, you know? So that's one of the conversations. Something I tend to have with people is like, you think COVID-19 is sucks. It's horrible, obviously, but you're going to be staying home for two months and you're thinking about your work. But guess what? These people have been here for decades. So there's and a that's lot of the thing that goes around. Yeah. yeah. And, and that addresses, I think, a silent population. It's always like that too. Everything's framed mm. around kind of majorities and we always like to judge things based on what we're, we're framed, right? So the missing yeah. voices yeah. are, for example, the small community of refugees or asylum seekers um, in Hong Kong. Mm. I mean, who even thinks about yeah. listening to their voice. So in a way, yeah. what you're doing is you're advocating voices as well, in addition to your mm. what you're trying to do with a mental health issue within your small community, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. And the thing is also the fact that is like most of these refugees have been labeled as criminals, fake refugees. They are here to get our money and all that. And the conversation you have to just think about it. Yeah, sorry. Give me, I'm going to be taking photos for just like, okay. Five, yeah, we'll take a break. Um, yeah. Why don't you text me back when yeah. you uh, are good? We're back here with Anne-Marie Harmony and you're listening to K2H. Yes. And we are talking about... Wow, being an asylum sleep seeker in Hong Kong um, and the concept mm. of a diversity here. But let's um, pull back a little bit and tell me a little bit more about you growing up. You're from Congo and how did you and why mm -hmm. did you leave with your family to Hong Kong and what was the situation then for you as a girl, as a young girl? I mean, I was, uh, I was 12 years old and half when I moved out of Congo and I wasn't aware that I was coming to Hong Kong as an asylum seeker and my dad has been here for 18 years now so he came here earlier than us and then I wasn't expecting that I was going to be an asylum seeker I figured out that out when I was 15 and I realized that I'm not like I do not have the freedom like everybody has and I realized that because I was an asylum seeker that was the that was the kind of way that i find out but i didn't know that i was coming as a refugee and i don't know exactly why daddy left i know that he was involved maybe in politics but he never tells me and never tells us and that's one of the reasons that we never knew so we had to kind of figure it out by ourselves so was it a shock like when you had to move here uh and what was the situation like when you first came i mean i wasn't speaking english to begin with so i wasn't aware of what was going on <laughs> you know so okay. that was already like one culture shock so i didn't know yeah and obviously life was different you were viewed different from the society the school you know people treated you different so obviously there was a major difference from 
coming for a city where you don't speak the language, you look different from everybody else and all that. So it was, it was, it was hard. It was different. So when you were in school, you went to a local Chinese school? Pretty much. We had, obviously the majority were Chinese, but we had a lot of ethnic minority as well. Okay. And yeah. was it hard to make friends when you first came over? Um, so I had my first friend, I remember it was a Filipino girl. She came up to me. I was, remember it was during recess time. She came to me and said, um, she said, hi, you know, and I wasn't understanding what she was saying. So I was just like, what's going on? And she understood I wasn't speaking, uh, English, but then, um, I met my friend, my best friend was Congolese as well. So which makes things easier. Yeah. And I think I was okay. But then it was a moment that I remember just being told that, oh, you know, if I was white, I'll be beautiful and all that. So who, who says things yeah. like that? Uh, just the people in Hong Kong? A schoolmate of mine told me that. Okay. So, but when, yeah, you, were living, that. when you were living in Congo, the idea of race and blackness and, and being different, you know, was that even a part of growing up or it was, you didn't get never. to feel that? Yeah. Never. It never occurred to me. I look like everybody else. I never, it never even occurred that I'll be treated or look different because of my skin color. It's never happened. Yeah. Never. Yeah. So did your mother try to protect you from this when you came to Hong Kong or did she try to explain to you how, why people treated you differently um, and how you should address no. it? No, not at all. We never had that conversation. I remember even telling daddy, I was like, oh, dad, you know, I, I was, this is what I, this is what happened. I got treated a certain way. And then he was like, you're living in another city, so you have to deal with it. You know, there was, it was, I never had that conversation with my family. And I think I had to fight that on my own. It was hmm. never a discussion to be discussed. It's like, if you are going, I, I remember daddy, until now he even says, if you're living to another person city, you have to remember that you're going to be treated differently. And you have to learn how to deal with it. And that's the conversation. It was just a thing of like, you know, Oh, you know, this is how you have to deal. This is what you have to do. Never, it never occurred. It was just like, you are living here. You're not in your country, so you're going to face this. So you have to know that. So do you think I've that... I've never had that discussion. Do you think that being kind of a refugee or asylum seeker status that um, made you almost stronger and not having to kind of be self-consumed with what your identity was supposed to be like uh, as a young woman? Yeah. Yeah, don't, definitely, definitely in all perspective. I think it kind of make me stand for myself, think differently. And, you know, it just changes like everything, even the way I think, the way I, the way, um, what I do, even coming up with Harmony HK and all that. It's something that come from being a refugee. It's like seeing the circumstances and seeing what my family was going through. It was like, I don't want to wake up and I don't want to have, a, I don't want to end up and having that life, you know? And, I'm a kind of a risk taker and my dad is a, he plays safe. So I'm kind of like, he's like always play safe. And I'm like, you know what? I want something. Yes. I'm a refugee and there's a lot of circumstances. I'm going and grab what I want. I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to come on my table. That doesn't happen. And I think it was at this moment, it was like, you either go out there, do what you want to do with your goal, your passion and do not kind of let the circumstances define you. And that was my character. And that's just my attitude. I was just like, you know what? 
I either sit down and be like, you know what, I'm going to end up like the same circumstances or I go out there and knock at people's doors like, yes, I'm a refugee, but this is what I'm able to do, you know? So that was the kind of circumstances. Because like the society are the one that has kind of created that, um, that circumstances for us. Like they have, sorry, this is mine. Okay, thank you. So the society kind of has created that moment for us on how what a refugee is supposed to look like what is refugee is supposed to be like so at that moment it's either you fit you fit in in the society description or you just or you come up with your own description of what a refugee is supposed to be like so that yeah. was just me because you know even in the in america you know people tend to uh have that framing of okay so maybe it's not so much refugees but immigrants it's the same idea yeah. right of of marginalizing yeah. them and saying that there there's always certain labeling of what it means to be mm. a, a, an immigrant like you mm. said uh there's more crime mm. there's more threatening yeah. situation mm. uh, you have to take pity on them but uh don't bring yeah. them in to your house because it might affect your life that kind of thing. yes so yeah exactly that's what that's what the, the the society has created for us and um it's either you live with it or you create your own you know what i'll just do it it's either you live in that in that um description or you create your own description so there's always there's those two two things to do you know and i did not want to be and the thing is like if you look for example in america the issue camera is turned right left I don't know why. Can you oh. care? Yeah, <laughs> you're like us. I yeah. just yeah. Okay, thank you. That's okay though. Yeah, I can so, hear you. Yeah, so it's like either you fit in with that, and we we look at America. The reason why that's going on, it's the system that they have created when they used when they brought the slavery, when they bring the black people from from Africa to America. Black people were not allowed to go to school. You were supposed to be working the food, and then you have created this kind of system that people have to kind of grow up with and then even that and then for years they have this um sorry they have this kind of environment and then now you are blaming them you're calling them lazy or they are they are what they're criminals it's the mm -hmm. system that you have created and yes. then maybe if you had a better system this would have not been happening you know it all comes and then they even uh with the refugees like you cannot work you can't do that mm -hmm. and you have this kind of thing and you end up stealing shit sorry it's okay. you end up stealing i think it's my thing just oh, leave it wait let me fix it yeah you end up stealing and then they are blaming you for stealing it's like maybe if you gave me work i wouldn't be able to steal yeah so it's crazy i mean let me just give you a little background of this project i'm doing i don't know um because mm. I, I got your um contact from innocent so i did a presentation at the mm. africa center because i'm doing a documentary on how the chinese grew up in the united states in the south during segregation because mm. my grandmother grew up in yeah. the South and they opened up a grocery mm. store in the black neighborhood. And so I am exploring race relations between the Chinese and the um, African-Americans. Um, and it's an interesting parallel to looking here in Hong Kong with the Asians and how they treat Africans or non-Chinese people. There is a kind of an ingrained discrimination against color darkness, right? And that, that we Chinese have against our own race. It, so there's like, on one hand, it's part of a cultural something in our 
genetic DNA where we look at the color line um, and also because of our environment like how the the class system works here where everybody household high or low class also have a domestic helper who tends to be from you know usually Southeast Asia so these associations of dark skin are always related to something of a lesser kind and so how do we address that? I mean, it's brilliant that you've created this modeling agency to support and promote the beauty of diversity in the arts. Um, but how do you feel about that living day to day in a place where you know where there is that kind of innate discrimination? It's just that, how do we work with this? I mean, the thing is like, I'll first, I'll blame the school system. Mm -hmm. I went to a local school here the school system is already failing us. The fact that you're going to a school, they are separating you. You are black, you are poor, you are Pakistani, you, wear, you are Muslim, you are, you are Filipino, you are a domestic helper, and you are from Europe, you are here in Hong Kong for business. The school is already failing us in that. And as the more we go to school, we are learning. That even teachers are ignoring themselves. I've been, there's moment teachers come up to me asking me if like, um, they will show a documentary, people being naked in the, in the documentary. They ask me if I'm from there. Ugh. Do I understand the language? And the teachers are already failing. The school system is failing us. Yeah. And that kind of goes all the way. If the school system does, if it doesn't change, it already, it's already a mess up thing. Because you might learn it from your parents. Your parents might be racist. You learn that from them. Sure. But if you as a person go to school, you're learning a different thing. It changes you. You yeah. know, it's like environment shapers. You're going to school. I mean, your parents are being already telling you, you know what, don't be close to these people. And you come to your, yeah. you come to school, it's everything being repeated. It's like, even something is wrong. If you keep on being repeated, it gets stuck in your mind. Sure. This is right. Even if it's right, it's not right. Yeah. And, and you know, in the States, I mean, it's not a, I can't really compare the, 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 the same, but um, in terms of reversing the, the limited concept of worldviews of things in the States, People are so ignorant there. You know, like when we mm. when we go to, my kids go to school there, her friends don't even know the difference between Japan and China or Hong Kong. They're like, oh, you're going to this place? You know, they think it's all the same thing. So going back to like maybe like African history too, they think that all of it's the same thing. So you're talking about them showing video clips of, of naked tribe members and they think, oh yeah, you're from there. <laughs> it's like, what do you do with that kind of ignorance? Exactly. And it, even, the, even the same thing here. I have a conversation. I say, oh, I'm from Congo. The go is Congo. I'm like, Africa. Oh, Africa is one. I'm like, no, Africa has uh -uh. 64 countries. And people don't, even in geography, you don't learn that here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's already messed up. Yeah, it is so, messed up. And it's messed up in every country, yeah. it seems like. There's not enough, um, there's never enough history. And I think we need to learn more history in order to open up a, a concept and to have perspective. Let me take a quick break. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just stop it and then we'll come back and, and, and resume. Yes. Yeah, can, I, can we do that? I can come back to you as well. So I can finish my quick <laughs> lunch, late lunch. Okay, 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 talk yeah. soon. All right, so we're back here with Amory Harmony. Uh, refugee from Congo living in Hong Kong who created your own amazing uh, modeling agency uh, that organizes mm. fashion shows and um, what you have you also have a charity that uh, that supports uh, refugees and children's education is that right yes so so for Harmony HK we do fashion show and we still a modeling agency and during our fashion show we tend to give 20% to a charity we like to give back in society and I believe that's a way that we believe in giving back in, as a social enterprise and apart from that um, so I'm a co-founder co 
co-founder of another charity called Learning, of a, a charity called Learning Together, which, mm. so there's three main things that we do at Learning Together. So firstly, we teach basic English to new arrival refugees to Hong Kong, and we uh, sponsor new asylum, no, we sponsor refugees that are allowed to go to uni, because like before, refugees were not allowed to go to university, and Learning Together was kind of one of the first organization or charity that kind of started this thing. And thirdly, we have like a workshop with young refugees in the way like to kind of get to with a leadership program that we do on summer that we, we gather refugees, come together, get to know about them, their ability, what are they able to do. It's always a, it's a leadership uh, workshop that we do on summer. So that's what we usually do. Wow. But that's a, another thing I do. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's in your blood, this desire to, <laughs> yes. to create all these new platforms to move things forward yes. and, and to pursue things that you strongly believe in that will help the community mm -hmm. and, and more. Um, where do you think that comes yeah. from? You know, growing up, do you think it was your mother's influence? Tell me a little bit about your life in Congo before you left here and um, how those things might have shaped who you are today. Um, so I grew up around really strong, powerful women, you know, like my grandmother, you know, and even sometimes the story my, my dad, my mom tells me, you know, so I grew up around this woman who are really independent, you know, there were not men in their life at that moment. Like my mom and dad, my mom was, my dad was in Hong Kong like eight years earlier, you know, and my mom was alone with me and my brother, I have a younger brother who's 20. And then, so she, she's like having us and uh, she, she, she raised that by herself and my grandmother also did the same thing. So when you look at this kind of woman, they were able to create something out of nothing for their kids. They were able to create something for themselves to survive. And I think it's kind of in the shape. It's subconsciously that I behave somehow like my mother had these kind of things like, you know, if I can't have this, I'm going to create something out of myself. And you can't be sitting around and crying over it. You can't be playing a victim. And that's one of the things as a refugee, as a woman, you tend to be labeled. And I don't want to do that. And this woman has been brought up now playing a victim by trying to create something out of nothing. You know, they make the impossible possible. And I think um, those are kind of the things that I think has kind of raised me up and given me this character that I kind of have, you know. Mm. Yeah. What do you think your biggest obstacles have been? In terms of what? Just getting what you want. You know, you creating things out of nothing. Uh, what are some ways that have become, made it difficult for you to overcome? I mean, like, just like, to be honest, I don't want to play this. I don't want to play the cards here. Like, you know, how they say I call it, but it's just like being a black woman. It's, it's just that. It's already an obstacle that you have to kind of convince people. For example, when you go to modeling job, you have to kind of have a different standard to be, you know, I'm really good to be, uh, deserve to be here. You know, it's just like, just you being, just your presence already an obstacle and you have to fight and work as triple hard as you just get half of what other people have, you know? So yeah. I think just that it's already an obstacle. I feel like just living as a black woman is already an obstacle for me. As a woman is already and becoming a, and being a black woman who's a refugee in Hong Kong, it's already an issue. Yeah, so you're saying that um, the gender aspect of being a refugee is also like another, you know, extra layer of, of, of this discrimination. So you're saying that the gender, yes, of course. yeah. 
because, okay, I'll, just, I'll give you, for example, in the modeling world, yeah. I've been modeling for four years right now, and it took me two years to just start my portfolio. And modeling in Hong Kong as a dark-skinned person is already hard, but then the struggle I have, it's different from a black model in Hong Kong, a, a black male model. Really? It's, to- it's totally different. It's different, you know, even, even in terms of jobs. Like, it's different. So you're saying that so, somehow, um, if you're male and black, you're, you're more, uh, there's a higher chance of you getting work as a model than as a female black person? Female, yes. Yes, wow. yes. Okay, I didn't know that. Yes, that's a fact. It's oh. literally a fact. Um, I know some models that we've been, like even, I remember one of them that the first time he came over, you know, he was like, you know, I want to do a model, how can we do this? And I remember kind of like, telling him how you even have to discuss with the clients and all that. And now he's working with like all these big brands in Hong Kong. And it just like, there's a different, yeah, a few of them also that has come, there's about three of them now. They are working in those brands. And then if you look at it as a black female model, it's already, you don't have those chances. The, the requirement for the female is different from, from the male, if that makes sense. Mm. That's already just like, and then become being a refugee again on that one. It's just like, oh God. Yeah. 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 Like, wow. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, going back to the listeners in, in Hawaii, listening to your story, I don't think yeah. we even know where to start with talk. Well, how about this? How do you feel about the um, Black Lives Matter movement in the States and the position of a black woman in America where mothers, black mothers have to worry day every day about making sure they train mm. their sons to be staying out of trouble so that they don't get killed? Yeah. What do you think about um, that when you see that kind of news? I mean, I mean like, obviously it's heartbreaking. You, you just feel like just as a black person, you're already a threat. You know, like my experience as a black woman in Hong Kong is different from a black man. I had a conversation with some black men friends here. They were saying that they got stopped by police more often. I'm like, really? It never occurred to me only once I got stopped by police. It's like in Hong Kong here, it it happened frequently. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that existed here. You know, and I think when you look at in America, I mean, I'm not a mother, obviously. It's going to be hard by then. Just like, thinking about is already it's an issue you know it's like imagine i have a brother and thinking my mom talking to my brother you know you have to you need to behave like this you yeah. have to kind of you have to take shit on your on on you just to play safe to yeah. protect your life why don't why don't we change the system on this police why do i have to take some things that's not even right just to protect myself even when i'm i'm not i'm not even though I'm right, I still can be wrong based on the system that has been based there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you think that this whole anti-blackness movement has reached Hong Kong in a level that might open up an awakening or a sensitivity to this issue and that might create change? Nope. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it's like most of the like local mindset here, it's like all lives matter there's this kind of perception of like all lives matter. Like we have our own problem that we are facing here. Why do we always have to care about this kind of people? This, this mindset here, I've been brought up in Hong Kong for 10 years and um, the conversation you have with people is like, you know, all lives matter. It's not only black people are always, and sometimes they say, oh, you know, because they are lazy, they are black, they are poor, they're always going to be like that. There's this kind of mindset and the belief is like they deserve to treat that way because they are, they are what criminals and all that. And, 
it's a conversation that really hasn't reached here and I don't think people really care much about it because like we don't we really have to also not forget that um Hong Kong has been going through a political moment for about a year right now and they have their own problem that they're facing here and bringing about black class matter movement just like we don't really give a damn about it that's the conversation that I personally had people really like all lives matter we all have our own issue you know so it's not really a thing here they don't really care about it it's like their problem you know and the racism still happens it occurs every time but again and when they claim it's they not, care, they, it's, it takes on maybe a pity kind of attitude towards it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, oh, like, it, so there was an article yesterday that came out. It was about black, uh, it, the article in uh, SCMP was about um, the live, I mean, black lives, um, how, how black people get treated in Hong Kong. And the article, yes, the, what the article did, it's a great article. It highlighted the issue that's being faced by black people in Hong Kong. But there's no solution to that. And when you look at it, it's like, we're just playing the victim here. What, what can be done? We need to have a system that can change this perspective. Where does that system start? From the school, the government. You know what I mean? Because like, you can go around, we can talk about it, okay. The system sucks. People are treating you badly. And even when you're in the MTR, people are going to treat you badly. They're going to start treating you in the way of like pitiness. Oh, you know, I don't want to do that because I don't want to hurt her or I don't want to hurt him. But not because of like the own mindset. That's the wrong thing to do. But okay, you know what? Let me be a nice person. Yeah. Can that you talk kind of about... History. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it was it you that had an experience on the MTR a few years ago when you actually felt yeah. like some Chinese moved away from you in the MTR? Yeah, it still it still occurred. Really? But I don't know what made me that on that day. It was back in twenty sixteen. I was with my mom. So I was in the MTR and this lady just sat next to me and she just closed her nose. I'm like, honey, I shower twice a day. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I know myself. You know, and then she closed her nose and her her son did the same thing and I decided uh. to record it and I posted my, my, my Snapchat and then I posted it on Facebook, which had over a hundred views and then it was all over social media, you know, so, Good for you. you know, it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then even some people here, like even the article that was yesterday from the South China Morning Post, it was just like, you know, um, this is the reality that people face here. And I think, um, it's this like i love hong kong it's my home you know but there are some people characterized here in the way of like we are better than certain kind of people it's just the mentality you know yeah but so how do we counter this kind of mentality how do we how do we create change we need to have education people need to be educated this i mean it goes back again the school is already separating us you know it's yeah. like this mentality that need to be thought you know and then we need to have cultural exchange to learn about different people culture. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's already failing us. It's like we have our own stereotype. Oh, look at this black person. You know, like the article yesterday, I read a comment. People were saying already, like, I remember actually to go back to my article back in 2016, there was this comment. I still remember it really well. This guy said, we people always think like anyone from Africa, black people will always be lower than us no matter what. We don't care. You will always be lower. There's, there's already that perspective. We need to start a discussion. 
the more we have discussion with different people, they can learn, they can understand our perspective, you know, it's more having teaching people at school, you know, having more representation on media. That's what Harmony HK is doing personally, like kind of changing this representation of how we are being viewed on media. Don't tell my story. I want to tell my own story. You want to understand my struggle. You know what I mean? You might want to try to tell my story, but you will do it in a pity way. Let me tell my own story. Let so me how do you get that though? How do you create that platform so that you can retell the story and reframe things with your own voice? How do you do that? By creating your own company. Yes, creating your own platform. It's like, you know what? I'm tired of me begging a seat at your table. Like, I need an agency or whatever. I'll create my own. I'll tell my own story. You know what I mean? It's about coming up on yourself and creating something. You know, it's like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so, you know, I, I think the idea of critiquing media and, and learning through education, um, are, you, are you still there? I don't see your picture. Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay, sorry. Sorry, I'm here. Um, yeah, yeah, so my um, idea is, how do we use media as a platform to critique the very thing it's trying to frame? You know what I'm saying? Because it's creating, media yeah. and social media is creating all this kind of misconceptions and very limited views. But how do we use that platform to flip that lens and empower ourselves to change? I mean, like, so first of all, we have to see, if, let's begin first where the issue is coming from. The issue has been this, black people, people of color has been, perceived through this kind of lens you know and then in order for us to change that we need to first of all go against the, those stereotypes that has been created to, for us sorry they have to do my lips <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so going back to create what has been created of you uh so you're saying like even in like fashion for example you know the exact idea of the exotic like even in the in america right the exotic oriental mm. doll is, is 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 one form of kind of reducing the the Asian image uh, and you know mm. and the missive kind of passive mentality and then for I guess black people uh. some people like to stereotype with different things like the exotic in maybe a sexual way like do you feel like you're sexualized in media and does that um, does that bother you and do you find how do you find ways to kind of um, change that or create a different uh, perspective on it I'm sorry <laughs> yeah that's all right I love it that you're still doing your makeup while we're talking on, on, on a radio interview. Yeah. You're in Hong Kong and you're creating, creating platforms for yourself in so many ways. I love it. Yeah. This is uh, only in Hong Kong. We do this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is diversity here. I mean, we say we don't have it, but we do. Mm. You know, it's just in a different But it's form. not celebrated and it's not inclusive. Yes. Right. Yes. Agree. But it is more yeah. multicultural than the States because in America, you um, know, it's a very black and white world. And then when you have the, yeah. uh, everything in between, it's kind of gets muddled into like this mm. other thing. Yeah. So to answer your question, you say like, that's actually true. You know, um, I, I think I have a way, the thing is, it goes back to me, like, you know, I have a way I, I present myself. I, way, I, ha I have a way of, like, the way I discuss with people, the way I want them to see me, rather than them seeing me through a certain kind of lenses. But true, black women has been sexualized a lot. Even also, when we go, for example, in America, I had a I was having a conversation with um, 
some friends they have this perspective of asian women being very passive and really you know those yeah. kind of image obviously has been created yes. and i think we live in the world with social media is like i think i can just hold my phone and had a conversation i can post it on social media people it can go viral people can kind of know about it you know i think the more people share the story share the way they want to be represented i think that could be a way to kind of change it you know mm. just kind of creating something and doing against going against the stereotype yeah so um i i don't want to bother you too much longer but so i want to tell you so i have this course i'm teaching at the university of hawaii and it's women in the media and i wanted to see if because i want to address women women of color and women in representation in media and also women as media makers so you're both mm. you're as a model you're you're a spectacle um and at mm. the same time you create you have the power to create that media so what do you have to say mm. to these students who are interested in studying and opening their um perspective on how we as women of color can create change and what needs to be changed to be bold and don't give a damn of what the society thing of what they expect you to be like you have something in mind people might think you're crazy go for it you know what i mean go against the stereotypes upon how you're supposed to be labeled I don't know if that's kind of making sense. It's just like, you know what? Be bold and stand in the control of what you think should be right. Yeah. That's what I would say personally. You know, like just be bold, stand up for it. Make the impossible possible, period. It just yeah. has to be in that kind of, you need to, you know, they might say, oh, you know, um, you are so bossy. Well, hell yeah, deal with it. Maybe you, you need to kind of learn, get to understand what I'm going through here. You know, it's like, what do you want me to fit on your box? No. Yeah, so don't fit into any boxes. No, don't fit in any Create boxes. Create your own box. Create your own space. Yes. Yes, be in control of what you want and go for go for whatever people might think is crazy because of their, you know. All right, so go against what people are expecting you to be like. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that's like great. It's just like be bold and go for it. I remember even when I was about to start Harmony HK, I have thought about it. I even prayed to God. I'm like, God, something this you want me to do. And then there were friends who were like, you know what, girl, this is not going to happen. It's going to be impossible. Like, you know what, whatever, I'll do it. And here we are. Here we yeah. are. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. And, I know there's a, <laughs> and I know that there's a long way to go and I'm still learning and I'm super glad with everything that's happening. You know, like um, I'm getting a lot of support for my team, you know, my advisor, the community, there's a lot of positivity and I just want to move forward with that. Yeah. No, you've got, so it's um, like, you never know something, be a risk taker. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you're there. Yeah. And you know, kudos to you. I'm so proud of you and so happy and I wish you Thank all the you. best of luck in your journey ahead because it will be a bumpy one. Thank but that's you. part of the thrill. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you do it. Yeah. Yes. I've always, Obvious, I mean, like, it's been, what, one year and a half already, and I've, there have been moments that I was literally so down, I was, like, crying on myself, I'm like, oh, my God, and then there are moments you just go up, you go, you know, it's a rule, and then people come in your life, they get out, people that you used to work with, things doesn't work out, you're like, oh, my God, finally, the way you expected it, but guess what, these are the process of growing, of learning, Absolutely. and that's one of the things, like, you don't expect things to be, like, straight up it's like a roller coaster and through all those bumpy moments you learn from me okay i have to be careful how am i driving so that i don't have that bumpy moment again yeah. it's like you know what this incident happened i learned it from my time 
I'm, I know what I'm going to do next time. It's about you learning. Yeah. Every, you know, everything happened for a reason. Exactly. You know? It's all a process. So you learn from it. Yeah. But, but what's your ultimate thing? What do you want to reach? What is, what, is, what do you see yourself doing? What do you see, your, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I want to see Harmony HKs being as one of the brand or company representing diversity, not only in Hong Kong, but around Asia, you know, and I want people to see, as in I want people to see diversity, not as something that I pity, but it's something that matter in the society. That's something that I want people to see as people of color, for example, you know, like diversity is not Oh, you're cutting off here. Refugee or people of color, sorry. And I want people to see refugee and women, people of color as talented people. Not only that, we are here to beg and all that. I just, if I'm talking in terms of brand, I want Harmony HK to be represented as a think diversity in Hong Kong, Asia, hopefully in the future international. But me personally, I want to drive to be, I know that in 10 years from now on, I'm going to be a strong businesswoman. You, know? you are. You are <laughs> yes. there. Good luck. I know yeah. you your eyes now. I'm going to say goodbye to you. Thank you. Um, you are brilliant. I'm so glad to have spoken to you. And I look forward to seeing Thank all the success you. for you that you deserve. Okay? Thank you so much. Take Thank care. You. Thank you. Bye. Yes, Thank bye -bye. you. Bye, Henry.